Wertes in der Kleinstadt Winden ein Junge auf mysteriöse Weise verschwunden. Die Frage ist nicht, wer die Kinder entführt hat, sondern wann. Das Ende ist der Anfang. Und der Anfang ist das Ende. Tick, tick. Du wirst alles verstehen, wenn es an der Zeit ist zu verstehen. Tick, tick. Aber jede Entscheidung für etwas ist doch immer eine Entscheidung gegen etwas. Wollen wir anfangen? Hi, and welcome to Dark, a companion podcast to the Netflix TV series. I'm PB. I'm Acorn. And I'm Merkels. Shall we begin? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Before we dive in, this is a companion podcast, which I know you know, but if for some reason you've clicked on this episode before listening to the, any of the others, this is not a watch along. So you definitely want to have watched the series first, maybe twice, and then come back and listen to the episodes. Uh, we've also chosen to run the podcast as a discussion between friends. So we take turns leading the discussion each week and we don't share notes ahead of time. This means we won't always get the details right, but it should lend for more surprises. And ultimately, we want you to feel like you're in our living room discussing right along with us. So the episode this week is about Elizabeth. And I had a couple of thoughts on how to run this episode. Like I thought maybe we'd do our standard where we go through and kind of like recap her timeline and then maybe talk a bit more about her. But there are some really cool general ideas around her that I love to touch on. So we'll be doing that as well. But I am going to go ahead and start with a brief recap of Elizabeth's timeline. Yeah. And this is again, this is from dark.netflix.io. We love this website. Elizabeth is the youngest of Charlotte and Peter Doppler's two daughters. She is deaf. Elizabeth is a confident young girl who can stand her ground with her older sister, Francisca. Things are tense in Winden following the disappearance of several children. Despite the warnings, Elizabeth walks home alone from school. Several hours later, she arrives and tells her parents that she met a man, Noah, who gave a gift for her mother, a golden pocket watch, engraved with the words, For Charlotte. The next day, Elizabeth becomes very upset when her boyfriend, Yasin, goes missing. Elizabeth happens to be with Francisca, Magnus, and Marta when they run into Bartosh in the Winden Caves. Bartosh is carrying a strange device that he claims is a time machine. To prove it, he and the group travel back in time to 1987, making Elizabeth a traveler. Fast forward a little bit, and Elizabeth survives the apocalypse in the bunker with her father, Peter, It brings her there. She meets young Noah there for the very first time. But it's not her first time meeting Noah. Now, in season three, we see post-apocalyptic Winden. Elizabeth and her father Peter are living in an old trailer. They spend months searching for Francisca and Charlotte, but never find them. They meet young Noah, who tells Elizabeth that he's living in the caves. She returns to the trailer alone one afternoon and finds a burglar there. He attacks her, ties her up, and tries to rape her. But Peter surprises him. A fight ensues, and Peter is killed. Elizabeth manages to free herself and kills the burglar with a red fire extinguisher. Utterly distraught, she goes to the caves, and Noah finds her. Fast forward quite a bit, Elizabeth and Noah are living together. She gladly listens to the prophecy about the passage opening and people making their way to paradise. In the collapsed corridors of the Winden Caves, they uncover the door to the time travel passage that reads... Sic mundus creatus es. Much, much later, 
Noah and Elizabeth have a child together and call her Charlotte, but the baby is kidnapped, which I know we're in the summary right now, but just how karma-ish is that? Mm -hmm. That Noah, the kidnapper of children, has his own baby kidnapped? Very. Noah suspects Claudia and Jonas are to blame. He promises Elizabeth that he will find their daughter and travels to another time. He never returns and she never sees him again. In 2052, Elizabeth is the leader of a group that is living in the woods around former Winden. Young Cilia is her interpreter and close confidant. The group reveres Sigmundus and are awaiting their salvation. Elizabeth, however, doesn't tell her followers that there is a time travel portal in the ruins of the nuclear power plant. The site is off limits and no one is allowed to enter. When Jonas is caught in the restricted zone, Elizabeth sentences him to death, but she changes her mind at the last minute, allowing him to live. It should also be noted that in here, she has a blind eye. Mm -hmm. That's going to come up later in our discussion. 2053, on the final day of the cycle, June 27th, Elizabeth finds herself on the nuclear power plant site. A riff in time opens, and she sees her mother Charlotte in 2020. As their fingers touch, the apocalypse erupts in 2020. Elizabeth's mother is transported through the riff in time to 2053. They discover that Charlotte is Elizabeth's missing child, making Elizabeth both the mother of her own mother and the daughter of her own daughter. Their lives are mutually dependent, a so-called bootstrap paradox, which is only possible in a time loop. Elizabeth joins forces with Adam, who is manning his operation from 2053. He sends her on a special mission with Charlotte to kidnap her own baby in 2041. They bring the baby to 1971 and give her to the clockmaker, H.G. Tanhouse. The child will grow up to be Charlotte, Elizabeth's mother, and everything will repeat itself. And that is a recap of Baby Elizabeth. So before I dive into the stuff I kind of wanted to hit on today, does anybody have any comments on that, listening to that recap? I'm excited to talk about someone who we see a lot of in the apocalypse, because I think aside from Noah and the time he spent with Elizabeth in uh, that post-apocalyptic world, Elizabeth is the first person that we're really focusing on who lives in that time. So that's really cool. Yeah. And she is one of the few survivors, really, truly that doesn't leave that time either. Like she goes on one mission, but for most of the, most of the time she stays there. And I I also think it's like really interesting because we look at like Katarina who has a really tragic story. And I'm curious as to why we identified those characters first. And I didn't really realize how tragic Elizabeth's story was until we started talking about Noah, you know, like her boyfriend gets kidnapped and then eventually she gets involved with Sigmunda. So she knows Noah took her boyfriend. Like, that's so weird to me. And then her mother and sister go missing in this apocalyptic explosion. And she spends all this time trying to find them with her dad. Her dad won't let go to the point where Elizabeth is ready to let go. You know, they're dead, dad. Why do we keep coming back here? Let's try to move on. Mm -hmm. Only to, towards the end of your life, realize you saw your mother the moment she died. And she was alive. She just went to a different time, which is really interesting because there's a scene. So I was rewatching one of the episodes. There's a scene that that episode, the one I rewatched this week was the, it's called the survivors, I think season three. 
uh, with the trailer where we see that uh, we see that Elizabeth and her dad, Peter, are living in Benny's trailer, potentially because it's made out of metal. So it was easier to survive in this house in the apocalypse with the radiation than their actual house. We're, we're unclear as to why, but for whatever reason, other than symbolism, they are in that house or the trailer rather. And in that episode, Noah says to her, she shows Noah the writing on her notebook that says, mom, sister, and then he writes cave. So it reads mom, sister, cave, which I think is really interesting because when she goes to the cave later in that episode, her mom is there just in a different time. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 And so is her sister rather. So it's like, it's super interesting to be like, to wonder if Noah knew that, if he was answering her question, but also knowing that she would go there and that's where they would meet. Out of everyone, I think Noah would be the person to know because he, yeah, he's in that unique position where he's been groomed by Sigmundus. He's also been very mm-hmm. deeply involved in the, the cult's actions. And so he, yeah. he could know. I think the other thing that really stood out to me about that episode is not only not only is it the episode where she's ready to let go and in the same moment loses her father like watches him die and it's incredibly traumatic but also i'm so curious because it was at this point that i noticed the pattern when i was doing my watch through of the specific shot of someone beating someone's head in yes because that's how she she kills the intruder it's how Katarina is done in. Yep. It's how Ulrich Helg. attacks Helg. Yeah. Helg. Yep. yep. That's another instance of things repeating themselves. Yeah. And the other thing as well that I am struck by is that I think Elizabeth has, she has an integral role. It's like, I was thinking mm-hmm. to myself, okay, well, what is the role in her? What is her role in the timeline? You know, what, what does she give Adam? And as I started to sort of like pinpoint these things, okay, well, she's, you know, she has Charlotte and like, that's the major paradox there. But Mm. she also kidnaps Charlotte, leading Noah to go and start killing the children and to fix the time machine. And it started to become very clear to me that she was integrally entwined in this narrative in ways that perhaps I didn't originally see as clearly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, in doing research for her specifically, because I had the same thought, I was like, she's so integral to this but is she is a thought that I had, like, what does she actually do that affects the timeline or the loop other than Charlotte? Is there anything? And for that matter, does Charlotte do anything? So I remember like looking it up and seeing a couple of Reddit posts where people ask the same thing. Like if we just remove them, what happens? How does the tower fall? Yeah. Does it even fall? And it was very interesting to read through that because a lot of the examples they were giving, and I really feel badly now because anytime I'm referencing Reddit, I usually have the username and the post handy, but this is just, this is a couple of weeks ago now and I, I don't remember who it was. So for that, I apologize. If it was you, I found it very interesting. The examples that were given were she executes or says she's going to execute Jonas, uh, but then she herself stops it from happening. So if she wasn't even there, he wouldn't have even been sentenced to it anyway. So what difference does that make? What does she actually do other than have Charlotte that affects the timeline? Barbara Celia in the future, maybe. Yeah. But someone else can do it. Yeah. 
And now what does Charlotte do? Charlotte solves the solves it. Yeah. She investigates the murder or the kidnapping, I mean. She discovers the time travel, which enables her and Peter and Elizabeth to survive, as well as Claudia. Claudia's in the bunker as well. But Claudia, Claudia also figures it out, right? Yeah. You don't need Charlotte to figure it out. Charlotte doesn't take them to the bunker. She just figures mm-hmm. it out as everything is coming together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Charlotte shows up and they're already there. Yeah. Peter's oh, already yeah, there. You're right. Because yes. guess what? Claudia told Peter what was yeah. going on. So why do we have two characters that are so integral, yet they aren't? That's so fascinating. I hadn't thought about it in that way. Mm -hmm. But you're right. I'm going through all their scenes, all the different timelines in years that they appear in. And you're right. It's almost like they're, they're tangential to the plot. It's almost like they are, they're performing alongside it, but not in the same way that other characters are the other characters are pushing events forward or ensuring yeah. things happen to get to the next level or the next cycle yeah that's so interesting it is very interesting well so here's the question then charlotte is raised by tan house which yes. means that she is connected to tan house in a big way so yeah who are charlotte and elizabeth to tan house then in that case like what yes. what do mm-hmm. they represent because they're clearly an important part of the narrative and the timeline, yep. and they exist for a reason. They came from Tanhouse's design, so to speak. Yeah. So are they the baby? Are they their grandchild? I that's think what so. I'm wondering. And that's why it's so linked in together for each other. She's both the mother yeah. of her daughter and also the daughter of her daughter. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it's, it is the snake eating its own tail, but like so it's the bootstrap paradox so perfectly on display in the middle of this show for us Yeah, where they can literally be removed and everything else will still loop itself. Yeah. So then why are they there? What significance do they have uh, in the story of dark? Because sure as shit, the writers don't do that. Yeah. They don't just put people in there that can be removable. It's aside from maybe the, the unknown. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they've clearly Sorry. created these, uh, you know, this spider web for every single character and they are their own web sitting in the middle of it on their own to some extent. Yeah. I mean, you could make an argument that without them, Noah would not have his breakdown and go on to create the time machine that is then used by Adam later on to continue the timeline. But like, but you could also then argue that the only reason Noah was fascinated with Elizabeth is because it was in a prophecy. He was told about it. So he could literally have been told about anybody else. It's true. And have the same reaction. So it's like, it's just such an interesting rabbit hole to go down. Now, here's an interesting thought too. Heterochromia, which we mentioned a little bit previously, and I was like, ooh, I want to dive into that some more. So it's also called the witch's eye, Mm. which is really interesting when you think about that because... Who has it? Claudia has complete heterochromia. Yep. Yep. She's also called the white devil or she's referenced as a witch. So there are actually three people in Wyndon with heterochromia. Uh, So we've got Claudia, Noah, and Elizabeth, but they present in a different way. So heterochromia is a benign genetic trait. It can be acquired through disease or injury. It can be a sign of a lack of genetic diversity. (gasps) super fucking interesting when you look at the fact that she is her own mother and also yeah 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 (laughs) now 
There are a number of inherited conditions which are associated with heterochromia. Some are also associated with deafness. Oh. Yeah. Incest is a taboo in most cultures because of the likelihood of passing on hereditary diseases, especially in small populations, yada, yada, yada. Here are the three types of heterochromia. Complete heterochromia, where the iris of one eye is a completely different color than the iris of the other eye. Claudia and Elizabeth have complete heterochromia. Mm. Now, this is interesting to me because we know who Claudia represents to us, right? Claudia and her line, Regina, represent the outside world, right? Yeah. They're the ones representing origin world, their genetic line. They're the ones dying of cancer, at least in in the dark three metaphor. That's <laughs> yeah. the theory we all subscribe to the most, right? That struck me as odd that Claudia and Elizabeth are the only ones that have it. So maybe now I'm wondering... Is it Elizabeth, Charlotte, that line representing Adam's world? And then Claudia and Regina are representing Marta's alt world? I just found it very interesting that there were two. Only two. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. huh. Now we go to central heterochromia. Now this is where the iris has a different color near the border of the pupil compared to the rest of the eye. So this is the kind Noah has. So Claudia and Elizabeth have complete heterochromia, where Claudia has one blue and one brown eye, which doesn't change throughout her entire life. Her blue eye always stays blue. It might be the only blue eye in the series that stays blue. I'm thinking back and there really aren't that many, if any, blue-eyed characters. Yes. Now wait for this. So wait, isn't there something about eyes in like yes. mythology? Wait, okay, wait for okay, it. Okay, okay. So... Noah has the central, right? So his pale blue eyes are surrounded by a dark ring. The dark color is the background color of his eyes and the light blue would be the anomaly. His eyes have stayed pale throughout the extensive time travel we see him do. Elizabeth's left eye is white and on the skin of that face, she's scarred. So obviously this suggests like an injury where she was blinded. We never know what happens. We're going to assume probably radiation exposure or something that happens in the apocalyptic world. Complete heterochromia, however, used to be referred to as having a ghost eye. Yeah. All three types of heterochromia throughout history have been associated with witches, magic, seers, fairies, etc. According to some folklore, the eye was swapped with a witch's eye, and it means a piece of your previous life was brought into this one or that your eyes give you the ability to see spirits and communicate with the other side. Holy shit. Yeah. So that's super interesting. And shout out to uh, Meta Witches for this, because this is where I first saw this in this article and they sent me on a rabbit hole. And <laughs> I cannot, I cannot shout this blog out enough. Stephen King shouted out this blog. Please go check it out. They do a lot of very extensive research and they link to the original sources. So if they're going to reference like a story, they give you a link to go and read it yourself so that you can also come to the same conclusion. So as soon as I saw this, I went into, which was weeks ago now, I went into this hole and I fucking love it. So shout out to them for pointing out a lot of the initial stuff. So Aegon says to Claudia, after having met the older version, I believe I saw a witch today. Yeah, that's right. He did say witch. Yes. Uh, there is there is a lot of idea here that magic or the 
you know, heterochromia or they can see into the future or there's something with their eyes that they have seen something that they know a truth that nobody else knows. Now I'm going to come back to this. So please remember that there's something with the eyes. So this was brewing in my brain as I'm going through watching the show for the cinematic episode. And I'm like, holy shit, there are so many shots of Claudia. Like they do a lot of close-up shots. We talked about that, but there are a lot of shots with Elizabeth and just her eyes. Yeah. That scene where she bludgeons that guy to death and is sitting there covered in blood, staring at the camera. That's one of them. So I, I just think that's really interesting. Now, blue eyes. Here's what, here's what I found out about blue eyes. Blue eyes have been linked to an evil eye. So much so that they bring bad luck to the blue-eyed person. In Greece, especially, where lighter-colored eyes are very unusual, it was strongly believed that those with blue eyes were capable of giving the evil eye. So ingrained was this belief, it's even been incorporated into the Greek Orthodox faith. Oh my God. But there it is linked to the devil and envy. It is also thought to be harmful to the caster as well as the victim. It is linked to envy and admiration. It's also technically possible to inflict the evil eye on yourself. The lesson in this was to remain humble and modest. So the idea is that if you curse someone and you have blue eye or blue eyes, you can inflict that curse back back on on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so interesting since Claudia does. And then her family is riddled with cancer, except for her and Noah who inflicts on others. And then his own child gets kidnapped like, holy shit, you know, that's super, super interesting. Also interesting is that the time traveler's eye color changes throughout the series, which is something I had not picked up on at all. But it is, in fact, true. Hmm. The more and more they travel, their their eye colors change a bit. Really? Yes. Yep. So go and check that out because that that was pretty wild to to discover. So the other things that have been brewing in my mind other than that are about the wallpaper and her fox hat. So I want to dive into that. But before I go there, I just wanted to briefly cover the bootstrap paradox. But before we go there, (laughs) do you guys have any thoughts on the heterochromia or the eyes or the witch's eye? Well, I find it super interesting. I I opened up this meta witches article that you were discussing or the uh, Mm -hmm. post blog post. And I'll link it. I'll link it in the show notes too. It's incredibly interesting too, that it's also known as the ghost eye, and they call that episode Ghosts. Ghost, yeah, that's true. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is also the title of a song, and it's also the title of a book. Like, there's a lot in that episode that ties to ghosts. So, yeah. I, I think the other thing that I find to be interesting is that, does Elizabeth have heterochromia before she has the injury? Or is it like a... No. Yeah, so I think it's interesting. No, she doesn't, but she might because she is deaf. Yeah, okay. Like it's implied that she might have I that see. same genetic okay. trait. She just didn't have the yeah, eye. Okay. So, yeah. I think it's super cool that she, because they never discuss it later on as to how it happened. It's so striking how she has that eye sort of injured. And if we go with the theory of which, yeah. So does Wohler. Yeah, Wohler is That's also right. missing an yeah. eye. Oh, which this is super weird, but I've been watching Twin Peaks and there's a character who has a missing eye and he never explains it oh, either. Oh, cool. So I was like, I wonder if that's like a reference to Twin Peaks. Maybe. 
because he does it the same way. He's like starting to tell the story and then something happens and he's interrupted. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so I think I think maybe there's something there to be said about how she has this injury and she's a survivor at this time and she's also a leader at this time. And, yeah. you know, what what does that sort of indicate about her narrative change if we are establishing that through Claudia, heterochromia or having having an off eye sort of makes you like a witch does she become that you know like and what is the what is the sort of indication that that's something that she uh title that she's sort of taken on i guess or yeah. has been thrust upon her rather that is something i wanted to talk about because while elizabeth spends most of her life in this post-apocalyptic world we don't really get much context for what that looks like we're really shown that yeah. part of the world and that part of the timeline through Jonas, who travels there and interacts with them. I couldn't help but think while I was researching for this, what that journey looked like for her. Because in Noah's episode, we were talking about Noah's and Elizabeth's relationship. And also in the lovers episode, we were talking about how their love was potentially circumstantial and how... We went into this like rabbit hole discussion about how much did Noah actually tell her? How much did she actually believe in Sigmundus and paradise and stuff? Or was he just telling her this to keep her placated and, and happy enough and positive and stuff? But then once I realized that she became the leader of this band of survivors and then used Sigmundus as an explanation for everything they were doing, I was like, wait, how much did Noah actually tell her? How much did she actually like buy into and become a part of you know what i mean well we know that before charlotte went missing and was kidnapped we yeah. know that noah was still entrenched with sigmundus and we know that he believed everything until the very end basically mm -hmm. and so i wonder how much of uh, 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 how much of her knowledge especially like the bad things that happened because i think i when i realized that he did everything after charlotte had been taken Mm -hmm. And that that didn't occur beforehand. You know, that period of time, then he's like friends with Jonas. It's a very innocent time almost where he's with Charlotte or with Elizabeth. Yeah. He's almost like a, a spy or an agent who's just like undercover or he's like he's like assimilated and he's waiting for the next mission or further instructions. So he's just kind of like hanging out and yeah. existing. Yeah. So I, I actually don't think that there's anything that Noah could have told her that at that time would have been bad. Do you know what I mean? Because Adam was yeah. very much withholding that info. I was under that impression too. So to have gone from that period of like love and marital bliss or whatever you want to call it, this time they spent together with between Noah and Elizabeth to Noah leaving, doing all that shit for sick Mundus and Elizabeth never seeing him again. How did she get from that point to the way we see her as the leader talking about paradise? And this is in the name of Sigmundus. And we're going to kill people who try to go into the plant because of the prophecy and like all this stuff. I'm almost wondering, does she end up learning more than we are aware of? But because of her bootstrap paradox position in the timeline where it's so isolated and doesn't really affect other things, we didn't get told that in the story, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because going back to the eye thing, this is what when you said that PB about eyes and heterochromia and blue eyes and stuff, it triggered a memory. And I remembered that Odin 
became the one-eyed all-father because he sacrificed one of his eyes for knowledge oh, because of his thirst dude. for knowledge. And so if Elizabeth actually knows all there is to know about Sigmundus and the God particle and why it's in the plant, because even when Jonas goes in there, she's like, don't go in there. It's off limits, blah, blah, blah. But when she finds him, she's not surprised. She just goes, I don't know how to work it. She is the only one in this time period. That's why she tells everyone to stay away from the plant is because she is the only one who knows that the time mm-hmm. time machine is there. She also traveled in 1987. So she knows what's up. Yeah. And she has an understanding of that much, much later. But I do think I think that's a really, really interesting point with Odin is that like after she's the holder of this knowledge to some extent before Jonas mm-hmm. arrives. Yeah. Super fascinating. So I wanted to hear your opinion on the eyes before I showed you this. <laughs> okay. Okay. Check out what her timeline looks like. Oh no. my God. Fuck off. Yep. No, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. I had the same reaction. I was like, it must mean something. I feel like we've touched on it a little bit, but there's something here that I don't, we, we've just scratched the surface. Yeah. So for those those listening, which is everyone, I literally <laughs> just put in our group chat a picture of her timeline, which I'm going to include in the show notes, but it is an eye. Her traveling throughout the timelines makes pretty much one half of an eye. Now, I'm just going to quickly double check that that doesn't happen with anybody else who has a longer timeline. Well, they do, but they'll overlap. But I find it very interesting that her timeline, there is nothing else in here to make a different eye because some of them Mm -hmm. will loop some of them make the infinity symbol you know other things like that but her traveling literally just makes an eye which is very cool to me as soon as i saw it i went oh my god that's crazy yeah that's insane oh my god hold on so i just looked up charlotte yeah see isn't that interesting charlotte's not even an eye Uh uh-huh that's so interesting and like adams is all looped in on itself Well, honestly, if you think about it, just think about it. Like, what is a bootstrap paradox? It's a loop. Mm -hmm. And how would how would someone sort of illustrate that loop in a two dimensional space? It would be a circle Mm -hmm. eyeball. (laughs) Well, especially with two people moving in it. Right. Mm -hmm. Because Elizabeth gives birth to Charlotte, who gives birth to Elizabeth. And it's like two main dates and eras that they like cycle through. So I could see that absolutely making arcs like an eye. Yeah, that's wild. Good catch, Peeves. Super wild, right? Yeah, very good. Super weird. It also just strikes me the way that we see her in the apocalypse with her cloudy and milky eye. Yeah. You know, very much like reminds me of everything you were talking about with witches and now with Odin. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely wild. You know what else is interesting? And this is this is I'm pulling away from the the concept of I now. So forgive me for this. But I think we also we mentioned it together right before recording. But the fox hat and. The, oh, oh, yeah. I, sorry. OK, I have stuff okay. for that. No, but no, no. Yeah, you, if you no, want to no. we'll go first. It. Go, go. No. OK. So before we do that, because you just mentioned the bootstrap paradox. Yeah. So I just want to cover that here really quickly, too. So for those who don't know, I'm just going to summarize this, but you should totally go in and, and look at this. But for those who don't know what that is, it's just a paradox of time travel that occurs when an object or a piece of information sent back in time becomes trapped within an infinite cause effect time loop with the item where it no longer has a discernible point of origin. 
it's said to be uncaused or self-created. It's mm -hmm. just like the snake eating in its own tail, really. So bootstrap paradox. So that is something that they feature in Dark and you should definitely go and check that out. Perfect example being the book that mm -hmm. Ten House writes. Yes, the book that Ten House writes or Elizabeth and Charlotte. Yeah. That they are, they are also a, a good example of that. So taking it to the other thing that I wanted to cover with Elizabeth is the fox hat which, you know, you brought up as well. And um, this ends up becoming a, a huge rabbit hole that I'm really, really into. So <laughs> shout out to Nezia on Reddit for this post that sent me. I was rewatching the series with German audio commentary for hearing impaired people. Out of interest, I found it very odd that the narrator specifically describes the wallpaper as showing two foxes, a hedgehog with an apple and a mouse instead of saying something like a piece of wallpaper in a child's room or actually referring to the bunker as of 1986. And then somebody replied and said, the animals on the wallpaper are a fox, hedgehog, and a hare. Not a mouse, right? Look at the tail and the ears. Holy shit, dude. So the hare and the hedgehog is a German fairy tale where the hedgehog tricks the hare. Shit, y'all. Oh my God. The hedgehog tricks the hare in a race with his wife as a double already waiting at the finish line. The hare dies of exhaustion because it doesn't understand that there are actually two hedgehogs and not just one beating him at the race every single time. To play hare and hedgehog is an old figure of speech in German, meaning that you just can't win because your opponent is playing to different rules. I'm sorry. Oh. Just plaster the wallpaper for what is actually happening in the show in front of our eyes in season one, episode one or two or three or wherever it shows up for the first time. Holy that shit. That is insane, Holy dude. Shit. That is insane. N not only that, but Ulrich actually mentions that Winden is a place where sick. Oh, I'm, I'm going to butcher this German. Can I just send it yeah, to you? Yeah, of course. Sich Fuchs und Hase gute Nacht sagen. So the fox and hare say goodnight. Yeah. So Ulrich says phrase, that. He says that. And what he means there is it's a piece of untouched nature where even enemies like the hare and the fox wish each other good night. Oh, my God. They get along. Yeah. There are no enemies. So I think what's like super interesting is when I saw the fox, I immediately was like, oh, that's weird because foxes mean tricksters or like, you know, whatever in Western uh, culture. So I was like, that's weird that they have, they, you know, she's wearing this fox hat and that the wallpaper has the fox, hedgehog and hare. So if the hare and the hedgehog are accounted for, and I, you cannot convince me otherwise, the hare and the hedgehog is definitely referencing this German fairy yeah. tale where, you know, Marta and Jonas are playing by different fucking rules. So there are some people that are hedgehogs. So then I Googled some people are hedgehogs and found this. Some people are hedgehogs and some people are foxes. Holy fucking shit. So... This is by a philosopher named Berlin who kind of just came up with this theory. He himself says it was at kind of like as a joke, but then people really took to it and went, okay, this is interesting. It's also referenced in a lot of film and pop culture as are you a hedgehog or are you a fox? A fox knows many things, but a hedgehog knows one important thing. So hedgehogs, again, are now the people who are doing the time traveling, right? They follow one discipline. So Berlin expands upon this idea to divide people into thinkers into two categories. Hedgehogs, those who view the world through a lens of a single defining idea, which is Adam, yeah. Noah, 
those people yeah. are hedgehogs. Those travelers, time travelers are the hedgehogs. And then he also separates foxes who draw on a wide variety of experiences and for whom the world cannot be boiled down to one single idea. Oh my God. So now I'm like, who are the foxes? Who are the foxes? Francisca? Yep. The red fucking hair. Yep. Who else has red hair that gets kidnapped? Eric. Eric. Right? Eric. Now follow this thing with the hair, the red hair. Those are all of the foxes being preyed upon by the hedgehogs. Elizabeth. Elizabeth with the fox hat, who, by the way, loses the fox hat she does. when she joins yep. Sigmundus. Yep. yep. She's oh, wearing it when she meets fuck. Noah yeah. directly. Yeah. So I thought that was crazy fucking interesting and wild. And now I'm sold on the, not only the wallpaper, but that the fox symbolism, there's also a fox in Mikkel's room. Yes. There's a stuffed fox in, in his room. So it's like, I, I went down this rabbit hole of like, okay, but she's wearing a fox hat. So then who are the foxes? Uh-huh. Like if it's like a fox and a hare or a hedgehog type thing, what's happening here? And it's like all the kidnapped children have red hair or have a red toy or, or have you know, a like, fox a, involved with. It's yeah. Yeah. It's more than just that red is signifying something that cannot be changed. What is this red mean? And I think it's just a reference to the fox's coat. Yeah. The red coat. This, so, this animal symbology this is reminding me of the the turtles and the dogs and the tigers again. Yeah, it's yeah. just more animal symbology. You know what's crazy is, sorry, I'm just going to like, this is now coming to me all of a sudden. So when you think about like the idea that we, we've discussed previously about how characters are sort of clustered in threes, like they have their yeah. main partner and mm-hmm. then the, you know, whoever they're sort of dealing with outside of that. The Lilith character. Yeah. Who is the hare? Who's the hedgehog? And who's the fox? Because when... Noah, Jonas, and Elizabeth are together and they're hanging out in that period of time. I would argue that Jonas is the hedgehog in that moment. Just the ways in which Yeah. Is Noah always a hare? I don't know. I think Jonas is a fox until he becomes Adam and then he's a hedgehog. You think yeah. so? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because he sees the world and he believes that he can change yeah. it. And then Adam has one defining principle about him. He, there is no other way. Everything's going to re- repeat itself. He's living by one ideal of paradise. Yeah. And so is Noah. Mm-hmm. Everybody subscribes to this one ideal, this like their religion, as it could also be called. And then you also have Marta, who's doing the same thing. Those two are the hedgehogs, the husband and wife that are chasing yeah. or that are like oh racing. The hair. You yeah. know, it's just so good. Yeah. And the hair would be Claudia, Ulrich, the people who get stuck and can't win. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. The people who, stu- mm-hmm. who get stuck and can't win. Fuck. Um, Berlin, this philosopher who came up with the mm-hmm. hedgehog and fox theory. Is he German? British. British. Okay. I would find it. I mean, really, the, the parable about the hedgehogs and the hare, it being a German fairy tale that's very telling. And then, I mean, I just keep coming back whenever we come across this stuff. I keep coming back to that interview that you found where the creators were like, we've read a giant list of yeah. books and philosophies and we explored all these different areas. And I think that we just keep coming across these allusions to the things that they have read. And I just, I love it. It's like an Easter egg hunt. Mm-hmm. And I just think like, I remember when we were first looking into We know that they're crazy enough, and I say that in the most loving way, because we're also this kind of (laughs) twisted in that we know that they're wild enough to use wallpaper named 
something specific in their scene. Like Ava. They put a wallpaper called Ava on the wall during a scene. During that rabbit hole, we also discovered that the wallpaper for the show with the rabbit, the or sorry, with the hedgehog, the hare, which is a rabbit. Wow, brain. The wallpaper with the hare and the hedgehog and the fox was custom made. Yeah, that's right. right? So we knew that. We knew that. So when I first found the hare and the hedgehog, I was like, okay, so that accounts for those. So then what about everything else? Also, don't forget, it describes the apple. I was just about to say, we didn't touch on the apple, which is... Right? Yep. Garden of Eden. And that plays into everything else we've talked about so far. Mm-hmm. Wild. Absolutely mad. So that's it. That's me for Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's so interesting. Yeah. Side note, I can save this info for when we talk later about, about Tan House. But if we're talking about eyes today, the thing about eyes, if we're talking about eyes, I was just looking. There are two people in this show who wear glasses, and that's Tanhouse and Roller. Roller with one of the eyes blocked out. Oh, shit. Those are the only two people that wear glasses in this show, like main characters. No. I am looking through a full list of portraits on, on the Meadow Witch's website. Yeah, you're right. Even, oh my God, even older characters like Burned and... Tranta and Yana, no one wears glasses. No That's one wears so glasses. Unusual. The only two people. I wonder. My first thought was, well, they're using a very specific lens to film and it would add reflections. It would be like very difficult to deal with that when you're trying to film. But they, I also know it's Hollywood and they have very specific lenses they can put into your glasses yeah. that will not reflect. There's like a spray you can put on huh. so that it doesn't reflect. So I wonder what that means, if it means anything. Does he need to see? Does he need to put the world in focus? I do think, I, I wonder if, if they purposely, Wohler is so interesting yeah. to me. I wonder if they, they put him in knowing he would be a red herring from day one, which is why I think the eye bit might be a nod to Twin Peaks, mm -hmm. which is, mm -hmm. you know, such an iconic a series that I am actually watching for the first time right now. It's taken me this long to watch Twin Peaks. I still haven't seen it. So yeah, when I saw that in Twin Peaks, I was like, aha, I wonder if Dark was just nodding at this, at this iconic series here. But they haven't really done that with anything else except for The Matrix. So they do, they do actually nod at a couple mm -hmm. of different things here. And there is some supernatural shit that happens in Twin Peaks. So it wouldn't be out of the realm of what they've done previously in dark to nod at other material that is also looping back on dark. Yeah. But it could also just be like one of the creators' favorite shows and they just put a nod to it in, in their show. Cause you know, I do that kind of shit where yeah. I'm like, man, this is my favorite thing of all time. I just want to wink at it. <laughs> you know, it could just be an Easter egg. They knew, like we know they knew it was never going to be addressed because it made me laugh out loud. The last scene of the show or the last uh, episode where he starts again they're like, you never told us about this. And then he's like, okay, but don't laugh. Yeah. And then, you know, something happens to prevent him from telling us. It's multiple times that happens throughout the show. So it's like they were wrapping everything else up with a bow. And then they went, oh, yeah, we know. We never covered this. Don't worry. We know we know that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know if he is important or if he is literally there to just nod. I don't know. But he yeah. does only have one eye, which is interesting. Which is very Odin-like, too. He has his sight back in the final scene, right? He has a scar, but he, both of his eyes are intact and he has a sight back. Yeah. He's not wearing glasses. Actually, you're right. Yeah. 
it's like it's like a gauze over his eye. And I think they make some sort of comment like, yeah, it was an accident. It's it's healing nicely. And I don't think he's yeah. going to lose his sight. But in in the timelines, he does lose his eye. And then in the other in the alternate world, he lost his ear, wasn't it? Uh, it was his arm. Yeah, arm. It was his arm. Yeah. yeah. I wonder which arm. I want to say it was his left. It was left. Yeah. Yep. I wonder if they reflect the other timeline. Like maybe he actually has some power in Adam's timeline. Like he has his arm on what's going on secretly and he yeah. loses his arm in the alternate timeline. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. I also think it's interesting because uh, it's his right eye. Yes. In Jonas's world. So they're very visually saying like alt world is my left arm and origin world is my right eye. There are two worlds right and left, which they do with the windows as well. Back to my crazy window theory. Oh my God. Get this. A lot of sources depict Odin's missing eye as being his right eye. eye. Oh, his right, his eye. right eye. Yeah. Holy shit. Dude. Why did I think it was his left eye? Um, Some do depict as left, mm. but many others show it being his right eye so yeah that's so interesting yeah it's weird but for some reason like left in mythology is attributed to like the devil yeah. a lot of the time like the witch's eye or if you're left-handed you know all that kind of shit yeah they used to say you were possessed by the devil mergs are you all right oh my I think god mergs who was just that had a seizure What's uh, going i just on? so i found i found a reddit post that was like oh wooler god particle eye just a theory, just kidding. And then in the in in the comments, there was like, I think this is an answer to our question. Hardcore spoiler. And someone posted this. And I don't know. Let me see when this was posted. Seven months ago. Look who I found in the website background. We always knew it. Wait, what? The website background? What? And then in the comments, they oh, say, shit. oh, my God, he has heterochromia. Look on the site and zoom in. He has one brown eye, one blue eye. Whoa. Holy fuck. Wait, what does this mean? It looks don't like know. he's this this looks like oh my god, this reminds me of um the Fall of the Damned painting. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's in that style. And of course, I mean I can generalize and say this is very like Renaissance Catholic style of painting where everyone's like, you know, cherubs and angels and devils and whatever. Excuse me, what is this? I put this just posting that, Mark. <laughs> This is one of the writer's personal Instagram where he says, after a short vacation, we will be back shooting Dark Season 3. By the way, what happened to Wooler's eye? And it's a picture. What? He has like goop on his eye. What, both yes. eyes. Why? What is that? Oh, my God. But he shot it on film. Look at the tones in his hair. <laughs> oh, my God. And that's. Oh, that's right. Also, the alt world Helga lost his eye, too. Mm hmm. Yeah. So I. I. I do feel like it's a purposeful red herring here where they knew that it was going to be oh, a great mystery. What happened to his yeah. eye? But I, I just I wonder if it's one of those things where they they know what it means. Yeah. Oh, I'm but sure. It's not going to ever tell us. I'm yeah. sure they do. And mm -hmm. for the longest time, ever since I first watched Dark, I've, I haven't been able to shake this sense of Wooler being the chorus for the Dark story like in Greek and Roman tragedies and plays, mm. how there's always a chorus that will support the story and impart information and be witnesses to the events. I feel like in a lot of ways, Wooler fits that role. Okay, but great, great catch with 
the Waller being on the background of the dark site. Yeah, that's yeah, that's crazy. That that Reddit post is from user Moomin Rider Biker. So go check it out, folks. We'll also put it in the yeah show notes. Yeah, and in that painting, he has both of his eyes. Yeah. So it's before whatever accident but occurred. But in that painting, he has heterochromia. Apparently, yeah. I'd have to. Yeah. yeah. It's super hard to tell. But if someone said they scrolled in, they saw yeah. the two color pixels, right then sure. I'm going to do it right now. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's really, really hard to tell. That might be a stretch. I wonder if you can like zoom in on the website. I think that's this. Yeah, maybe. Oh, that could be. Yeah. Um, and, and it, it would be... have higher fidelity or like yeah. higher resolution. I'm going to the website right now. I don't know where this yeah. was or when. <laughs> oh, I literally never noticed this. But on the website, instead of who, they have a what. And they have places of interest. Mm. Wind in caves, the hotel, Ulrich and Hannah's house, mm. the tavern, the portable time machine, the penny, Nielsen house. Martha's letter, and in it they include Bernadette's trailer, and Ariadne, and a pleasure to kill with the cover Ooh. that we talked about. Interesting. I didn't know that. I did not know that. That's pretty cool. I'll have to look into that. Anyway, I I have no idea where this picture is, um, or where to find it, but it is a good find. We'll include the original post, but I honestly I can't tell if he has heterochromia or yeah. not. Um, but yeah. It's very, very, very cool. Oh, I believe that wraps up Elizabeth. I know we didn't really like dive into her specific like timeline and her. I mean, we did. We did a recap of her timeline, but we didn't really talk about like her character arc too much. Other than that, it's very tragic. Mm -hmm. But we've touched on it before, like yeah. how how sad it is, everything that she's experienced and how in my eyes, her willingness to believe in Sigmundus and Paradise is out of necessity. I don't know if Elizabeth really believes or if she just needs to believe yeah. that there's paradise and she'll see mom again and her sister and life will go back to normal. I think not to make it too fucking real here because uh, it's I know it's not the same as a nuclear apocalypse, but I understand now after 2020 more than ever that desire for things to return to a way that was familiar and what felt like normal. So I can't imagine multiplying that by however much to get to what Elizabeth must feel. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. I'd want to hear yeah. stories about paradise too, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, Really? Like I already do. I play Animal Crossing. Like look at my beautiful apartment <laughs> and in this world of where everything is just, you know, bells and rainbows and like a my island paradise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Holy shit. Too real. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so that that's my summary on Elizabeth. Like she's just gone through so much trauma that I personally subscribe to the theory that I don't know if she really believes. And I think that's part of the reason why she lets Jonas go. Mm -hmm. She says she's going to kill him. But then she's like, yeah, but what if? Yeah. What if they are right about paradise and I do this and then he can't give me paradise? Any other final closing thoughts on Elizabeth? I think it's worth noting that um, in the alternate world, she is not deaf. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I think it is her sister yeah. that which again brings us back to the it is genetic. Right. And it is potentially related to it's a form of heterochromia, maybe. Yeah. Which is really, really cool. 
that incest, lack of genetic diversity. diversity. Yeah. Yep. At least the hint of that anyway. Obviously, just, you know, so we're all aware, not all deafness is, is that. Does anybody else have any final thoughts regarding Elizabeth? No, but I'm so glad we covered her. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. I was really excited to touch on uh, some of these general themes like the heterochromia yeah, and stuff like that. I thought that was place. very interesting. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. Should we do some shout outs? Yeah. Perfect. Hi, I'm Murgles. You can find me on during the week on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Murgles. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Murgles. Thank you. Easy Acorn, peasy. You're up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, same deal. You can find me online at Acorn Bandit. You can also find me over on joysons.com. That's J-O-I-S-A-N-S.com where I create enamel pins. Uh, might as well shout out the newest pin from my other podcast, Avatar the Podcast. We made a tough pin and my co-host Booster Greg is the one who designed it and it turned out beautiful. Aww, so if you're a fan so of Avatar, go check it out. When are we getting a dark pin? I throwing that out there. Yeah, I want to make that? that next. So <laughs> sorry to we, <laughs> literally put you on the spot like an awful no, person. That's totally fine. We actually peek behind the curtain, dear listeners. We actually have a short list of pin ideas, pin design ideas. So we'll probably have something to talk about soon. Yeah. Or if you have a thought and you want to, you know, if you've been like, man, this would be so cool to have as a pin, you can tweet us at Radio Winden or you can email us at Dark Companion Pod. Um, I'm PB. And you can find me during the week at Twitter or twitch.tv at Pumpkinberry. I'm currently playing through a video game series called Deadly Premonition, which is basically a love letter to Twin Peaks. So I'm watching through Twin Peaks for the first time. In my opinion, it is a great way to start the new year. It's hilarious. It There's a lot of satire. It's so absurd. And I'm, I'm laughing a lot, which is, is really good. So yeah, if you want to come and hang out, I do that 1 p.m. Eastern is when I start stream Monday through Friday. So I'll see you then. And thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Of course, if we've missed anything, definitely tweet at us. Um, you can either do that individually, Pumpkinberry, Acorn Bandit, or Murgles, or you can use the hashtag Dark Companion Pod, or you can tweet at our Twitter account, which is Radio Winden. So many options. There's no reason not to do it. You can email us at darkcompanionpod at gmail. And of course, Special thanks to Johnny for letting us use the beautiful cover art. You can find him on Twitter at Johnny Knight, and that is J-H-O-N-Y-K-N-I-G-H-T. We are also proudly part of the Geek Generation Network, and you can find more awesome podcasts related to cool nerdy things like TV, comics, and movies at thegeekgeneration.com. Thank you so much for diving into dark, and we'll be back next Thursday with episode number 21 which is sick mundus <gasps> no yeah <laughs> oh yeah big topic here we go here we go let's talk about here cults. we go let's talk about Woo! cults baby yeah so well i guess we'll see you next week where stuff really gets dark <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, terrible terrible i'm gonna actually laugh at that <laughs> <laughs> really good okay that's it bye Bye.